0: Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And the show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. Really exciting to have someone on the show that has a very vast background, hitting a lot of different disciplines, literally like disciplines in disciplines in health and well-being. He's seen a lot. He's doing a lot. Um, Charlie Pinto is on the show today. He's with Google right now. He does angel investing. He works with Benjamin Ling that has come from Coastal Ventures. And so he works with Blink Capital. He does angel investing. He's done a lot of awesome stuff. But most importantly, Charlie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Uh, So Charlie, you've done a lot. You've done some interesting things. You're, you know, uh, you used to do, you used to be a wrestler, you're into CrossFit, but I think most importantly, tell us about what made you into the person you are.
1: Yeah, sure. So happy to go back to the beginning and maybe connect some dots on how I got into technology and also why the health field is super interesting to me. So I grew up in, I like to say, the sort of mountains of New Jersey, if you would even think of a place like that existed in New Jersey. And there, I really, at an early age, picked up wrestling and wrestled throughout elementary school, high school, uh, was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to go wrestle at the University of Maryland, go Terps. Uh, and from there, I graduated and started working at Deloitte. And immediately upon, I think, my first day wearing a suit and tie at Deloitte Consulting, I was like, this probably isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And it was around that time that I also found this uh, this accelerator incubator called Y Combinator, uh, particularly Paul Graham, who had a bunch of essays. And I read every single one of his essays, was super interested in Y Combinator, but I lived in Washington, D.C., so it was very far away from the epicenter at that time of, uh, of technology and startups. And it was around that time that I met a few YC alumni, uh, kind of convinced me to Take uh, my now wife and my dogs and move out to the West Coast from Washington, D.C. And we settled in San Mateo. I was fortunate enough to kind of hustle my way into a YC-backed startup called WePay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming from consulting, like, what do you do at startups? Like, yeah. uh, so maybe sales is the right is the right entry point. So was uh, helping build out their sales organization. and That was a very awesome experience as a very early employee. I think I was number 12. And after a little while, I connected with some folks and uh, we went through what we were lucky enough to get into Y Combinator, go through Y Combinator together with the point of sale system uh, startup. Uh, it was originally in that time. That's when Square Register launched. So we were kind of dead on arrival, I think. And then I kind of ran that company for a few years. Uh, it was super interesting learning about the fintech space because then we pivoted into more of a payments marketplace platform. And we ended up exiting that company in 2014. And around that time, I started angel investing with some YC alumni. The YC has these alumni demo days. And I started getting really interested in how do we extend healthy human lifespan. Being a wrestler, I spent a lot of my time modulating my weight. I basically have done every single workout known to man. I put my body through lots of Suffering, I guess you would say. And I started really thinking deeply about nutrition, started thinking deeply about consumer patterns of behavior. It's really hard to change consumer patterns. And also started thinking about, from a technology bend, like how can we, how can we, how could companies exist that, you know, they are also thinking around, you know, how do you uh, change existing behavior? How do you make something that's traditionally very hard? to diagnose easily diagnosable or preventable in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of the stuff that brought me into kind of the health play. And that's where I am today. I started working at Google maybe about eight months ago, uh, doing some interesting roles here while also angel investing and as a venture principal at Blaine Capital, Mm -hmm. where we invest in pre-seed, seed, seed, and a little later stage seed startups up to a million dollars. I love it. I love it. Now, really interesting
0: compiled background, right? And, uh, I'm right there with you too. I, I, I was obsessed with, uh, reading all of Paul Graham's essays, you know, definitely kind of like the, the ultimate framework. If, uh, if I, if you had to put me in a cell, <laughs> I, I think Paul Graham's essays, uh, probably Thomas Tung's uh, blog posts and first round capitals, um, stuff, um, would be more than enough to, uh, to be able to, to help set the framework to start a business. But, um, I love the wrestling background, your, uh, you know, your affinity for CrossFit and for, for, for staying fit. Um, but, uh, tell me a little bit about, so you're really into now like this intersection of, you know, behavior, but also like, you know, biotech, syntech or, you know, there's so many different phrases for it and, you know, longevity and aging, you know, some would say that um, when when you die is when you're supposed to die. Um, And some would say, you know, aging is like a disease, right, that just needs to be cured. And we should seek to do that. I'm more along the ladder, you know, if if I can kind of lean towards controversy a little bit here, but I guess you see a lot. Tell me a little bit about one area in health that really is captivating you right
1: now. And why? Yeah, sure. It, to kind of set at, at a high level, it, maybe we could, we could start at like what healthcare is today and, and where I see that uh, to kind of in, in the in the context of then and then answering your question about what I'm interested in today. So, think about healthcare today is about one fourth of the U.S. economy. Right, and it's not a particularly high quality experience. So there's a lot of opportunity in there for technology to reduce the cost, increase the convenience, and also improve the outcomes. If Mm you improve the outcomes, what you're going to do is you're going to naturally have people that are extending their, what I call, healthy human lifespan. And Mm -hmm. i say extending because I don't think that we should live forever. Uh, I do think that there's a natural course of life and there's this uh, death and rebirth cycle. Right. Uh, So kind of that context, uh, the thing that I'm most excited about right now in the health space is seeing how consumer will play out in all the other categories of healthcare. And the reason why I'm interested in this particular part of healthcare is because it's very hard to solve the distribution and business model problem.
2: Mm -hmm. And with
1: direct-to-consumer, you don't have to rely on existing entities to distribute. Uh, I've seen YC companies spending hundreds or tens of millions of dollars in order to get to market. So you could you can launch a direct-to-consumer startup in different countries, not necessarily in the United States. And then once you show that it works, you can then bring it over. So it takes less mar- money to actually get to market and achieve distribution. And also there's a business model question. Healthcare is a notoriously low margin business. The places where you do make the most margins are the services that are delivered inside of healthcare, say, for example, uh, hospitals or the drugs. That's why pharmaceuticals is such an attractive industry to, to uh, investors in the equity market.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that said, I think if you solve the business model question, uh, if, if you solve the distribution question, if you then solve the business model, you then have a really interesting way that you can provide a better experience, increase the convenience, reduce the cost, and ultimately improve the outcomes for those that are using your product.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's super, super exciting. And I, I agree with you, definitely, you know, definitely, you know, these these two sides of the market, and then, you know, make, optimizing for the one where you can kind of go to market and make the most money, you know, um, you know, really interesting, you know, um, opportunities, I would say in this space. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, so first of all, I'm really fascinated by a couple of things about you. Um, you seem to have a knack for isolating down to really good bodies of knowledge and frameworks for learning things. Um, I, like I might've mentioned to you before the show, your list of like books that you've read and recommend is like an awesome one. And, uh, furthermore, um, you have a really strong wrestling background. I know you're like, a you you know, you're like a champion. Um, you know, I don't know if it was like the WWF, uh, like, uh, like belt that you won. (laughs) But love for you to just speak about like your, your habits, like what, what's it like to be Charlie and, you know, are you like, you know, waking up and, you know, doing Bikram yoga for 90 minutes and then reading like five books and then going, um, you know, doing some roundhouse kicks, uh, to a, to a, to a bag for, for, for four hours. What's, what's your day in the life? What's a, I guess, what's the routine that really you find joy in, you know, from a health and well being standpoint?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh, to answer the first thing, uh, not WWF, although having a belt would have been pretty amazing <laughs> and having a persona. No, I, uh, I wrestled at the University of Maryland and there uh, we helped uh, the team win two ACC championships. This is back when University of Maryland was back in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And I also myself won uh, an Atlantic Coast Conference championship at 141 pounds. So That, that was a fun experience. Wow. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of that uh, then plays into my role today. So I look, so for me, uh, I take, a, I, I look at exercise and well being as uh, as nonlinear distribution. So for example, I work out for maybe 30 minutes to an hour very hard almost every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the rest of the time I'm either walking around or doing work. So I don't do these long endurance exercises. I feel like from, and I have lots of data points through my history and watching teammates do this, you can actually get very in shape by working out for very little time per day. Mm-hmm. I also spend a lot of time lifting. Uh, I think that while most people think that you make your bones stronger by drinking milk, uh, you actually make your bones stronger by bearing load on your body. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't spend a lot of time doing in, in long-distance running, long-distance cycling. Um, I, I, I will... Supplement my exercise, particularly weight-bearing exercises, with more uh, active uh, stretching. uh, So that before and after I do like banded distraction stretches, particularly because I'm sitting all day, it's very important to open up your hips. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also eat just a a regular paleo diet. 90% of the time, I'm doing real. 95% of the time, I'm eating really well, and then 5% of the time, I allow myself to. To kind of binge on things that you otherwise wouldn't eat on a daily basis like chocolate or something mm. like that. Um, and I, I also do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and what that does is kind of helps me feel like I'm being more connected on a spiritual level to sports. I think once you get to a high level of competition like I did in wrestling, you then have this like spiritual element. You can't really explain it, but you can do without thinking things just you just Act in the unfolding circumstances around you. And, and, and I find that particularly interesting with doing jiu-jitsu is you see that I can achieve that same level of spiritual connection to the sport that, um, to the map, to the sport I'm learning or the art of, of jiu-jitsu. And uh, I can feel myself being totally engrossed in it. It's very similar to a flow state you get in work. Uh, right. It's, it's very similar to that. It's like a, it's a transcendent experience, I guess you could say. How does that
0: contrast then with some of the other martial art disciplines? Well- I pres- Brazilian jiu-jitsu gravitates you towards more of this like spiritual element I, ca- I kind of get a sense but I've never really heard of heard a perspective on the difference
1: yeah you can achieve that through a variety of different like quote-unquote arts like you can do you know Aikido you can do MMA you mm-hmm. can you can do uh, I mean pramaga. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not. Pramaga, like karate it, it all comes down to can you learn does it require two people to interact and those people interacting, there's constantly changing dynamics. And I right. think that's the important thing, but you can right. also achieve it in your work too. Are you a designer? Are you an engineer? I bet you engineers would, uh, software engineers would, or even people in a wet lab would feel incredibly connected to their work that they don't even know what they're doing. They're just doing it. It feels like an extension of their body without thinking. So it's almost like the concept of non-thinking, but you're mm. really are, your, your body's going through the movement.
2: Mm.
0: And then so interesting element, and so I, see, I want to take this a little further then in terms of um, with these disciplines and like this flow state that you, you get from your regimen, right? Um, how, do, how, do you, how do you translate that or to our listeners out there that are really trying to transfer, you know, this flow state and these disciplines into like their work or creation or leading teams and into their day? uh what's how would how are you seeing that translate like what are some of your work habits and how does that translate are you on a standing desk all day on a on a yoga mat and then you go on a treadmill desk and you're, you're doing pomodoros all day for all of your work or what how do you how does that how do you how do you translate that
1: yeah it's a really good question i, I actually don't you know i don't spend a lot of time doing meditation in, in the, you know, mm-hmm. just like the Buddhist sense. Right, I, I, I spend a lot of, because I view my meditation as actually doing jujitsu and, and exercising. That's where I'm achieving a, like a state of, you know, of one with whatever I'm doing. But in terms of work, I, I think it, it translates into being present. It's just right. not have, it's just uh, the work that you're doing. Are you feeling fulfilled by it? If you're not being fulfilled by it, Actively trying to find a way to be fulfilled by it. And right. if you can't do that, then go find something else. And it's important also from a manager point of view is to, or I would even say a leader, because you're, I think managers are managing situations as opposed to managing people. So when you're leading people, especially in organizations like, oh, you want to make sure that people feel connected to their work. You want to put them on things where it's their strength. You want to help them build those muscles. And you want to help them do the things that they feel like they can get a flow state in because that's where we feel the most connected to our work. Right. And where we actively want to get better with it. And so whether it's software engineering or whether it's, you know, you're in a lab or even if you're a in the caught in the business of sales or partnerships, it's feeling a flow state when you're in a conversation with a potential partner and feeling in a flow state when you're presenting the things that you're working on or, or writing code. Uh, it, it's just really finding that connection to your work. And then at a higher level, it's making sure that you're leading people and they know what the mission is of either the organization or the project. And without that, I think that those things fall flat, uh, businesses fall flat on their face.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And then how do you, so uh, across your career, all the way from, you know, from WePay, or even before that, right, you came from consulting, you did wrestling, you were uh, a sanitation engineer at, at what looks like probably your own business, right? You've, you've done like legal tech, you've done product management for legal tech, you've invested currently invest in a variety of different spaces. You seem to have like a, a skill for learning skills or a skill and framework for learning domains as well. What What works for you or is that transferable or do you have like a blueprint like say, you know, say you know what you're doing right now is going to translate into you know what i'm going to be obsessed with the microbiome now and i really want to go go deep on that skill set what what's your framework for learning new things new skills new domains yeah
1: i i wish i had a, a framework written down in fact i probably should create one very similar to the Udaloo created by John Boyd, Right, you can find if you look on the internet. Just, just don't look at the ones that are created by <laughs> business people since they're not the real Udaloo. Right, um, right. So, I guess the framework idea, like, what are you? I'm, I'm trying to find things that I'm curious about, and I'm also mm-hmm. trying to put myself in the middle of the road to get hit by the lucky bus. Right. We we can't actually predict what's going to be the future. We can't predict what's going to work or what's not going to work uh, with with high with, with a high degree of precision. So instead, what we have to do is just just be relentlessly curious, try to reason from first principles the best that you can. Try not to get fooled by your own interest and try not to get fooled by the crowd telling you what to believe in. It's it's having an opinion for yourself and having enough uh, being such that you don't feel by taking the opposing view that you're going to be exiled out of the group. It's, I think that's very important to put yourself in that system. And also surrounding yourself with really interesting people because they're going to elevate your intellectual curiosity as well. And you're also going to learn from them. So it's kind of a derivation of the, you are the average of the five people you hang around most. I think you are as intellectually curious and as knowledgeable as the five people you hang around with most. So try to attach right. yourself to those people and try right. to learn through osmosis from them. Right. And I'm lucky enough through the YC community and... Some of the folks inside the Google community that you can surround yourself with those types of people, and if, yeah. you're, if you don't have those types of communities, go seek them out or go find them, or go read books. Don't read articles on the internet. Go read right. books and read them deeply. Right. Um, you know, one of the books that got me into synthetic biology was Regenesis by mm-hmm. uh, George Church, and that was I was like, oh my goodness, this. Thing- it exists and then i started seeking people out in that field and then i was lucky enough to invest in go bioworks and then i just started learning more about synthetic biology that way so just follow your curiosity um if you feel like something's not working out go and try something else and see what else makes you interested and makes you want to open up that book and keep on reading and read it very deeply love it i love it charlie um one last this is
0: great so thank, thank you for that um and uh, like I said, and to our listeners out there, Charlie's got uh, an amazing... It's a Goodreads link, I think, right? I, it's It's been a while since I clicked on it. I, I, I glanced at it, but you have a, like a list of all your favorite books out there, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I,
1: I, I have a website that I'm trying to post more, more to. It's, it's just, you know, charliepinto.com. I just try posting stuff to it and seeing... Uh, if people want to start a conversation with me around it or connect with me on Twitter and start a conversation. But uh, on that, I have my uh, a bookshelf, and these are books that I've read. And the, the books that I keep there are books that I read over and over again. Mm-hmm. The books that I only read once, I don't even include because I don't think yeah. it's worth reading a book that you're not going to read more than once. Right, right. Um, Charlie, uh,
0: so thank you for that. Uh, one last question for you is more along the lines of how you view the future, right? So maybe pick a time horizon, whether it's like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20, a thousand. What's the what's the future of health, according to Charlie?
1: Yeah, there, there's a few things here. And, and thanks for having this podcast as a forcing function for me to, to write them down. Uh, and so, so I've been thinking about them a little bit from the perspective of consumer, uh, which is things that... Say, for example, Blink Capital loves to invest in from a health perspective. And then there's my more like intellectually curious aspects of what health could become. So I think mm-hmm. there's maybe seven. So the first one is obviously watching consumer play out in healthcare because it solves the distribution and business model problem. That I've seen a lot of companies come up with. And also you don't need to be in the United States in order to launch it. You can be anywhere, in any country, mm-hmm. particularly countries with less regulation. Uh, two is, you know, as capital shifts from treatments and drugs that mitigate systems how do we move it to more holistic treatments uh, so those are more consumers looking to spend their money in other things that they otherwise would have spent from treatment and drugs or even from healthcare companies moving from treatment and drugs to more holistic treatments of the body because the body is a complex system and you can't be a reductionist and saying if i solve this one thing that everything else would take care of itself that's not how it works right Um, Then the third one I think about is predictive platforms that improve outcomes for medicine. So, uh, the immune system is a very complex system. Could you identify a series of markers that you can then use machine learning on to see what types of new drugs you can create for very rare uh, immune-related diseases? And you can do the same thing for bacteria, you can do the same thing for cancer, you can also do the same thing for uh, also diagnostic data as well. So Google, uh, I think uh, Google knows, uh, Google's really good at machine learning. So what companies are out there looking at diagnostic data, say for lung cancer that you can augment doctors in order to make more accurate predictions for whether you have lung cancer or predict whether you're going to get lung cancer right? Uh, with a high degree of precision. The, the fourth one that is super interesting is around gene therapy and and uh, gene editing specifically for Mendelian inheritances. And these are very rare diseases or, or rare diseases as well. I'm, I'm not a fan of therapy for improving human capacity. I feel like there's a lot of off-target effects of that. So I'm really looking for things as if the alternative is you're going to have a very poor quality of life and you don't feel like that's worth living, or you, the alternative is if you're going to die, I think gene editing makes a lot of sense there. Uh, because I don't think that violates the precautionary principle. I think what does violate the precautionary principle, if we do gene editing like they did in China, where you then have babies, and those babies have genes that haven't had a fitness function that could then have more children in the future, that becomes potentially, a, you, you potentially have species-level consequences of that, because we don't know what's going to happen.
0: Right, right, yeah, like a chaotic, like, propagation of like, yeah, and so you have un- uncontrolled... Exactly. Yeah, and so... Yeah.
1: And this would be contrarian, like maybe you could do gene editing, but you'd have to turn off the gene for procreation. I mean, I think that that's a terrible thing to say, but it's not. It it doesn't violate the precautionary principle because it's isolated to
0: just one individual. Right. Well, I guess on your third point, too, on the predictions element, too, what, what would be fascinating is, you know, maybe we're like a model or two away from it, but, you know this comes about and then how do you how do you look at it from a population standpoint right and algorithmically tr- try and figure out like what combinations need to be done at an overall level you know to affect the population and where, where, where do these combinations of gene editing come into play you know as as the populations grow and so um, it's probably even hard to think about but probably better for a, a computer or algorithm to to kind of like design, but it is fascinating, right? And so it's it's like we're almost living in the future right now, and so. But with bear, with that bears with it, right? The, the right, you know, ethical and um, technology, uh, like leadership that needs to you know occur in the right framework, right? So we don't we don't we don't create you know insanity here on earth. I don't think we want that, right? exactly. But uh, exactly. Charlie, this was super cool um, to jam out with you just about your origin story and kind of like what makes you tick and like what, what has you focused to, to where you're focused. It's, it's, it's fascinating the things you're working on and have worked on and the bets that you make in the space. And so, you know, and, and obviously, you know, with being so researched in the area, it gives you a really good, you know, tuning fork for the money ball approach you have on, on, on writing checks. So, that's, this is awesome, Charlie. Um, a reminder listeners again if they want to engage with you online, what's, what's a good way to do so?
1: Yeah. So my Twitter handle is at Charlie Pinto and my website is charliepinto.com. If anything on there is interesting, let me know. It's not really related. The website's not related to health, but I have some things there on books, but you can connect with me on Twitter and I'm more than happy to have a a conversation with you. If you're working on some of these things or you just found uh, parts of this podcast interesting. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Charlie, thank you so much to our listeners out there. This is the Pop Health Show, and the show is for people that have a strong passion for making other people healthier in this world. Charlie, again, thank you for making time. This was great. Thanks for having me. really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely.